You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. On today's show, four more teams in the SEC having their spring games this weekend. And a change in the day for South Carolina where they will play theirs. We'll give you the latest on that. And we'll talk the latest with the Texas A&M Aggies with our buddy Billy Lucci from TexAgs.com. He'll tell us what to expect from Jimbo Fisher's squad this weekend. And could one of the big-name SEC coordinators be leaving the conference for a head coaching job at Kansas? We'll give you the latest there. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch. Around the conference. South Carolina, their upcoming spring game, originally scheduled to be played tomorrow, Saturday. The game will now be played on Sunday. It will still be played in Williams-Brice Stadium. It's set to begin at 2 p.m. Eastern. can be watched on SEC Network Plus. But according to South Carolina, Saturday's forecast calling for a high percentage of rain and thunderstorms for much of the day. They said with the weather forecast looking rough for Saturday, we thought a spring game on Sunday with dry, clear weather would give our fans a better game day experience. That's from Shane Beamer. Our players and coaches look forward to seeing a great crowd Sunday in Williams-Brice Stadium. The capacity for the spring game was recently bumped up to 15,000. So, good news for South Carolina fans just moving from Saturday to Sunday and kind of give us a little bit of separation, be able to watch and focus in on South Carolina more on Sunday with Texas A&M playing at uh, 2 p.m. on Saturday, Tennessee at 4 p.m. Saturday, and Ole Miss 5 p.m. Saturday, all those times Eastern time. So I guess for the fan bases, Aggies, it'll be 1 p.m. Central, Tennessee at 4 p.m. Eastern, Ole Miss at 5 p.m. Central. Over at Kansas, they're running through the interview process to find their next head coach to replace Les Miles, and their search includes a couple of SEC defensive coordinators. Georgia's Dan Lanning and Texas A&M's Mike Elko are on a rather lengthy list of Kansas officials, according to Football Scoop. Sources told Football Scoop that Kansas has a four-person hiring and interview committee. It's not very likely Dan Lanning would leave Georgia or Mike Elko would leave A&M for the head coaching job at Kansas, but worth keeping an eye on because this late in the game, late April, if one of those guys were to leave, that would be a huge hole for both Georgia and Texas A&M. The NCAA, they have uh, recommended regional and super regional baseball hosts allow no more than 50% capacity at stadiums in June because of COVID-19 protocols. An email sent from the NCAA to member schools on Wednesday recommended these guidelines. They uh, also apply to all other outdoor championship events on the spring calendar that includes softball and fall sports being played in the spring email from the NCA said the COVID-19 medical advisory group recommended predetermined championship sites follow the guidelines established by the respective state and local authorities. The group recommended venue capacity for outdoor championship events could rise to no more than 50% capacity if permitted by those governmental authorities. It's unclear whether the NCAA's recommendation will be a mandate 
The recommendation means different things to potential host schools. For instance, number two, Vanderbilt, who's the 2019 national champs, they are permitting 40% capacity for home games currently. So increasing to 50% before June won't be that big of a change. But for, say, number four, Mississippi State, or number 10, Ole Miss, they are at near 100% capacity currently. If they follow the NCAA recommendation, both schools would have to cut attendance in half of the postseason. Also, host schools are required to make tickets available to all four schools of a regional that would also cut to fans' access to see their team play as hosts. So really, who we're talking about this affecting most, Mississippi State and Ole Miss fans, if they end up being uh, either ends up being a host site, which it looks like a pretty good chance for both. The uh, NCA changed its process for selecting 16 regional and eight super regional host sites this year to safeguard against COVID. Joel Coleman on Twitter, I thought, had a really good comparison for this. He, he tweeted out yesterday, for a real-world example of how this recommendation will be received in places like Starkville or Oxford or Fayetteville, Simply call your wife right now and recommend that she cleans the house and does the laundry as soon as she gets home today, then await her response. I think that's a pretty good comparison to this on uh, how Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas fans would feel about uh, telling him, yeah, go ahead and cut back your attendance by 50% for the postseason. In football news, one of the hottest newcomers to the SEC this year is Nebraska transfer Wandale Robinson over at Kentucky became the talk of the spring for many of his teammates. He was asked in a recent interview, at the end of the day, he said, I just wanted to come in and work. I just wanted to come in and help this team win and get to the next level that we want to go to. I'm just going to continue to do what I have to do, and hopefully people continue to say my name. At Nebraska last year, Wondell Robinson led the Cornhuskers with 51 catches for almost 500 yards receiving, despite only playing eight games and splitting duties at running back. He also led Nebraska with almost 700 all-purpose yards, so that is a welcome addition to the Kentucky Wildcats. But some not-so-great news for Kentucky, as a uh, one of their players suffered a tough injury during spring practice. Receiver Cleveland Thomas has suffered an ACL tear during the team's ongoing spring camp. The senior receiver was poised to be a key reserve for Kentucky next year during his four seasons in Lexington. Thomas caught 16 passes for 170 yards and a touchdown. Kevin Steele, one of the names we've come to be accustomed to throughout the SEC the past decade plus. He has been one of the more well-respected defensive coordinators, but he also had one of the more unique periods of his career in a matter of a few weeks at the end of this past season where he went from Auburn's interim head coach to Tennessee's interim coach to out of a job. CBS Sports Dennis Dodd caught up with Kevin Steele this week and asked him how he's spending his time outside of football. Kevin Steele revealed he is spending a large portion of his days mentoring Navy SEALs who have transitioned out of service and helping them start new careers. It's an Auburn connection that brought him to the SEALs, came through a relationship with noted cardiac surgeon John Richardson, who's an Auburn alum, who once threw the discus for Auburn. He was Richardson's, or it was Richardson's work with the Eagle Fund that led to Kevin Steele's work with the SEALs. To show their respect, the SEALs have awarded Kevin Steele seven challenge coins in their SEAL culture. Uh, challenge coins are typically awarded by unit commanders recognizing soldiers for their special achievements. So good to see Kevin Steele doing some good while he is away from the game. Says he still wants to get back into coaching. So 
We'll see what happens after this season. Over in Knoxville, linebacker Bryson Eason signed with Tennessee to be coached by Jeremy Pruitt and the former volunteer coaching staff. So it's understandable why the sophomore defender would be asked about his level of commitment to the program this week by the media after several of Eason's teammates made the decision to transfer out after Jeremy Pruitt's firing. Josh Heupel was left with the challenge of trying to win over the roster he inherited. And Bryson Easton said, look, I, I looked at it as if I chose Tennessee. I didn't choose the guys that were here as the coaches. I wanted to be a vault. So with those guys leaving, I saw nothing but opportunity. With Tennessee currently searching for a mix of leadership and players ready to step up, contribute on the field. Looks like Easton has an opportunity to do both of those this fall on Rocky Top. The NCAA passed some new rules this week, and one of those rules, pretty big one, uh, they made the decision to change college football's overtime rules beginning next season. Moving forward, all teams will be required to attempt a two-point conversion if they score a touchdown in the second overtime period. The previous rule required teams to attempt a two-pointer after a touchdown starting in the third overtime. Additionally, if a game reaches a third overtime, the game will be decided by a series of alternating two-point conversions until we have a winner. So that epic Texas A&M-LSU seven-overtime game from a couple years ago, probably not going to get that one again with the new overtime rules. I guess college football joining the NFL saying we want to end games as quickly as possible. And lastly, how desperate were college football fans to watch some spring football last weekend? Well, the only SEC spring game that ESPN decided to cover – Turned out to be the network's most viewed spring game since 2016. That's according to ESPN PR, which announced that over half a million viewers tuned in for Alabama's 8A spring game last Saturday. It's the highest number since 2016 and the third best for the network dating back to 2010. Of the 12 SEC spring games played this year, ESPN made the decision to only air Alabama's spring game. All other 11 aired on the SEC Network Plus. I just thought that was crazy. Look, I get we're in the middle of baseball and softball season, and the SEC Network's got to carry some of those games. But, man, find a slot for the spring games. Unbelievable. And lastly, uh, while some fans were beginning to question whether it would happen or not, Florida will indeed be featured on the SEC Network for an all-access spring football show. It was something that had been previously promised after it was announced that the Gators were not holding a spring game this year. But with no updates in recent weeks, some fans were wondering if this would happen on Thursday Florida announced the all-access spring show is set to air starting Monday, April 26th, starting at 9 p.m. Eastern on the SEC Network. So, Gator fans, set your DVR. Coming up next, we're going to talk all things Texas A&M with our buddy Billy Lucci from Texags. That's next. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action. We got the NBA on a nightly basis, winding down playoffs right around the corner. MLB happening. No matter what it is, you can get in on the action at betonline.ag. They've got you covered with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. You feel good about the second half of Bucks Pacers? Get in on that. Feel good about the Braves breaking through and uh, getting that offense going and getting some wins here. Do it all at BetOnline. 
bookie.ag. They have you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head on over to their website and use your mobile device. You can sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Use the promo code Locked On. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline. BetOnline, they are your online sportsbook experts. Hey, this year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live, get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft coming up next week, April 29th through May 1st. All right, switching gears, talking all things Texas A&M. Billy Lucci of TexAgs.com covers all things A&M. He joins us now. Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies having their spring game this weekend. The maroon and white game kicks off on Saturday at 1 p.m. Central on SEC Network+. Plus. Aggies coming off a season where they just missed the college football playoff, but they beat North Carolina in the Orange Bowl. They bring back a lot high expectations. But before we get into the current Aggies, Billy, a former Aggie, hoping to hear his name called in just a couple of days in the NFL draft, quarterback Kellen Mond. I was just reading... One mock draft today that has him going in the third round, 67th overall to the Houston Texans, right down the road from College Station. Would that be a good landing spot for Mond at, at 67? I don't think he lasts till 67, actually. I, I've been talking to a lot of people. I, I've, it feels like once that first group of quarterbacks goes off the board, you know, it, Kellen could very well be the first guy after that first group. And I just feel like there's going to be a there's quite a gap between a lot of teams picking and a lot of teams that are going to need a quarterback that could trade up. And there's quite a significant gap to me between when that first group of uh, is it four I guess it's five go and then 67. So I, I just I kind of feel like somebody might trade up into the mid second round to get him. Uh, just sometime before that, that that Texans pick. And heck, who knows? Maybe it's the Texans. As far as him as an NFL quarterback, I think Kellen has progressed his whole career, and even a lot of Aggies. They they, it's almost like from his first game ever, which he was at a high school playing in the Rose Bowl at the Rose Bowl against UCLA, and just got thrown in there after Nick Starkle got hurt. It's like people's opinion. They were slow, so slow to change their opinion of him. Always thought he'd give up the job back to Starkle. Then when Jimbo got there, they thought they would go with the more, uh, more of a pocket passer. But the irony is, that's what Kellen is. He's a pocket passer. He's developed. He can make some big time NFL throws. But he's also, you know, almost six three, around two. You know, I think he plays probably at around two hundred and fifteen pounds and and ran, runs a legit you know, low, mid to low four or five. You saw him running that Oklahoma State uh, Texas ball when he was struggling to throw. So instead they let him run for about 120. And he, it's almost like he, he he could do that a lot more if he wants to. But he's just grown so much. I talked to a, a, a friend of mine in the NFL at a pretty high level and then also a couple, of, not, not just one, but two NFL head coaches that said they hadn't seen a guy improve his stock at the Senior Bowl as much as Kellen Mond did. 
in years as far as quarterback position goes. So his knowledge of the game, playing it under Jimbo, he's smart, he can run. Uh, do I think he's ready to go in the NFL and start? No, I don't. I think I think if he goes to the right situation, uh, and there's a lot of them, we could go down the list, but if he goes to the right situation where he can back up a couple of years, his capacity to learn, and if you just look at him from year to year to year, his, his kind of growth at the position, by then, man, I think you could really have something. And he can be the face of a franchise type of guy, too. He's, he's a uh, class act all the way. Speaking of Aggie quarterbacks, Billy, uh, a lot of eyes will be on that spot this weekend. The Aggies having their maroon and white spring game. Um, what has been the battle uh, been like so far throughout the spring at that quarterback spot, and where does it stand right now? It's you know, it's not before the spring. I would have said there's zero percent chance uh, that that battle and zero percent chance that Jimbo will name anything. And to be honest, guys, it's been tough. Uh, I think maybe tougher than they would have liked to get a read. Um, and here's why. The Aggies lost four senior O-linemen, so four out of five starters. Uh, they had four guys. They've got four guys hurt up front right now, only one of the starters, so that's good. You've been able to have your projected starting five for most of it. But they've also got five true freshmen coming in, including a couple of uh, five or borderline five stars. And they've got Tennessee, a Tennessee transfer who started uh, two years for the Vols up front coming in in June. So, really, you're down like 10 offensive linemen than what you're going to have in June. And for an offense that runs the tight end as much as they do, they're without their top three scholarship tight ends and working with one scholarship tight end. So, it's been pretty rough in terms of getting a good look when, with these quarterbacks when they're on the second team. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, So the guys that's working with the twos, it's pretty tough because it's tough, the, the blocking is tough sledding. There aren't tight ends to throw to. Uh, so I, I feel like the guy I'm still – Zach Calzada can sling it. It kind of reminds you of Mon and Nick Starkle. It reminds you of Manziel and Jameel Showers. One guy can really throw the football. And he looks like you could put him in an NFL camp tomorrow, you know, thrown against air, and he's going to look great. The other guy's just kind of got that it factor. He can really run, and that's Haynes King. Haynes ran uh, uh, in the low 4-4s coming out of Christmas break. It's real speed, and he can do it in the design run game. He can do it in the, uh, you know, he's a guy that's not afraid to tuck it and run and put pressure on the defense. And he can throw as well. He just doesn't have the slingshot arm that, uh, Zach Calzada does, but man, Haynes kind of, if you made me predict, I, I would predict it would be a uh, Haynes King, but I think Zach's helped himself this spring, no doubt. But King just kind of seems to have that whole it dynamic. And we've seen it in this A&M offense the last three years where they're working a lot of QB run game and he can do that as well. Or with Billy Lucci right after this. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. We tell you guys about them all the time. Dozens and dozens of amazing flavors. And a reminder, the winner of the Built Bar bracket from a few weeks ago, Coconut Brownie Chunk, is available for a limited time. Make sure you go check it out at BuiltBar.com. Tons of Built Bars there for you. For the health-conscious person, if you're looking to lose or maintain some weight while indulging in a delicious treat, Built Bars are low-calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Great if you are looking to uh, pack on some protein if you're uh, 
working out and you want to build up some muscle, 17 grams of protein in the cookies and cream that I like, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. A great alternative if you've been eating a lot of, oh, you know, potato chips and things like that. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. They've got a variety pack you can order at BuiltBar.com. And when you hit that checkout button, make sure you use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Use LOCKED15. You will get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com. What are you waiting for? The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey is happening now. Featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger. Our local experts for every team making trades and picking the next stars of their team. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. Find it on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your pod podcast. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Well, let me ask you this, Billy. Will who the quarterback is not even matter because the run game is so dominant? We saw these running backs come on so strong uh, throughout last year in this Jimbo Fisher offense, but Isaiah Spiller, Anaya Smith, Devin Shane, uh, those three guys, yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a better three-headed monster in the SEC, let alone the country. And it should be getting better because they also signed, you know, five-star LJ Johnson, who's I think the number two or three running back in the country out of Sci-Fair. He's not, he's not on campus yet. So, yeah, that, that backfield, and the tight end, you know, you've got Jalen Wademeyer, who might be your preseason first-team All-American. Uh, if not, I, I bet he'll be second. And a guy that was hurt last year is Baylor Cup, who was a five-star signee in the same class, but has missed the past two seasons uh, with separate injuries. So they could get better at those positions of strength. Uh, I do think it matters, though, because I don't think a and is going to be able to just line up and impose their will in the ground game like they did this past year. And that comes with starting four new faces up front. Do I think at some point this season it could be a really physical O-line and and move people off the ball? Yeah. But last year's line had, you know, that's what happens when you've got four seniors and then Kenyon Green's probably a, he might be a first-team All-American to start the season this year as well. And they moved him out to left tackle. So, your best lineman from last year moved from, from guard to left tackle, and then you're replacing four starters. I think that's going to be a, a pretty big ask, no matter how good those backs are going to be, to have that same type of effective running game they did last year. Do I think they'll run the ball really well? Yeah, for sure. But that O-line, to me, guys, is the difference between is this a 9-3, and three, even 8-4 and four rebuild year type team or is this a team that can, can I, I don't even think eight four x i think is this a nine and three type of team because i don't think the line's going to be bad but if the line can be good you look at that schedule and you look at what a&m returns on defense which is damn near everyone i think 20 of their top 22 uh, of the depth chart you look at those, that and and if they can run the ball some like you said man the sky's the limit uh, it is the second year in a row where I look at the SEC schedule, and I would say it's tough because once you, you know, not counting non-conference, there aren't any just roll the ball out there type games in this league. But if you really take a deep dive into that schedule, 
it's about as manageable as you're going to see in the SEC. And the last two times I would have said that about A&M were 2012. In hindsight, you go back and look, and it was the league wasn't that good. And in this past season, uh, which was interesting because it looked like A&M got dealt such a tough hand in September or August when they added uh, Florida and Tennessee to replace Colorado and San, uh, Fresno State. But that worked out. Tennessee stunk. Florida was good, but LSU was five and five. Auburn fired a coach. So the two years that I, that you can say that of the nine since saying them has been in the SEC, they've gone eleven and two and nine and one and won a Cotton and an Orange Bowl. The difference is you had Manziel and you had Mond, who was a senior. So if they can get that quarterback thing figured out, and if the quarterback play can be good. This is a football team, guys, that I think – I don't think people are sleeping on them. I think they're just outside of that uh, top echelon this year entering the season, and I, I do think that's fair. I think that's where they should be because they could go a little up and find themselves in the playoffs, or they could go a little down and be like you know one of those three-loss type teams. Billy, the Aggies back in the day had some really great defenses, and I've always thought that's – been the biggest thing keeping them from being great in recent years since they've gotten the SEC. The offenses have all been pretty good under Kevin Sumlin and now under Jimbo Fisher, but what is it going to take for the Aggies to finally break through and be one of those playoff contenders on a yearly basis? Well, I think it's I really think they needed the breakthrough and I thought they had it in 2012 and they couldn't sustain it. There was just not enough. You mentioned all those defensive names. I name you that 2013 defense and you go, who, 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 you know, and they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't stop anyone. Otherwise Manziel, Mike Evans, they, they would have outscored pretty much anyone in college football. I think they lost to Bama and Auburn that year. Like with, you know, all four scores were in the forties, you know, 45, 42, 49, 44, whatever it was. Um, So they couldn't follow that up. I think this season's so important. You know, what would surprise a lot of people, A&M's been in the SEC nine years. They've finished in the top five of the final polls twice in those nine years. I don't think people, you know, outside of College Station would, would realize that. I think a lot of people, even around the SEC, and would go, oh, really? Well, they need to follow that up, though. And, and you, like you said, they've always kind of had everything. Now they really have facilities better than ever. They've got a national champion head coach, but they had to get that breakthrough. So to finish in the top five, to win an Orange Bowl, to be in that playoff argument, you know, the whole year. They were in the argument. It was down the stretch. It was four teams and A&M. They were one of the five in the argument. Uh, you look at their recruiting, I think they've gone number three, number six, number seven in the last three classes. So take a look at this season, and if they can avoid a rebuild, and win 10, you know, I'm, I'm making it sound like that's easy, but go 10 and two, go, go win another new year's six bowl, you know, and in two years have a, have an orange and a cotton, have a freshman quarterback that leads you to a 10 win season. Sky's the limit because what happens is they're already recruiting lights out in 2022 and you'll look up and you'll say, okay, they've established a culture. They've gotten past this whole media thing of well, A&M doesn't belong with the Ohio State, Clemson, uh, Alabama, LSU, and even OU's of the world. You get that out of the way, and you look up, and Jimbo Fisher's got four straight top six-type classes on campus. 
And then you can go to battle with anybody from a talent standpoint. And, and the other thing is first-round draft picks matter and get pushing guys to the NFL. Starting next year, if Kellen goes this year, great. But starting next year, uh, you're going to start to see A&M with multiple guys in the first round uh, of the NFL draft again. So I think next year you're going to see they've got about six juniors that are going to have a really uh, a really tough – some of them might not even be tough decisions, to be honest with you. But DeMarvin Leal, uh, we mentioned Weidemeyer, we mentioned Kenyon Green. You guys mentioned Spiller. Uh, there, there's a bunch. And I think a year later, I think the guy everybody's sleeping on uh, outside Aggieland is Anaya Smith, who he doesn't quite have the measurables to sit there and go, oh, go early and be a top 10 pick. But I think Anaya Smith will emerge as one of the SEC's uh, most dangerous skill guys this year. Billy Lucci, TexAgs.com, talking all things Texas A&M. Billy, thanks so much for the time, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Jam-packed show for you coming up next week. We will be talking all things NFL draft leading up to it. We'll have some uh, former SEC players and draft prospects joining the show. Former Auburn wide receiver Anthony Schwartz will join us next week. We'll also be talking uh, all things uh, NFL draft hopping around. We'll also talk uh, with Tony Pauline, NFL draft analyst at Pro Football Network. We'll get his thoughts on the uh, NFL draft and all the SEC players expect to hear their names called in the first round. All that is coming up next week. Monday, we will also recap what we saw in the spring games happening this weekend with Ole Miss, Texas A&M, among others. We'll discuss all that coming up on Monday. We'll talk to you guys next week. Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcasts. 